a presentation of Major League A-Holes, the show. I'm Pete. I'm Ryan. Welcome to the show. This is a ridiculously jam-packed show, so we're going to have to jump right into it. We've got lots of sad, angry, annoying Cubs news uh, over the last two weeks. It's It's been since we came to you. Uh, I've got some Tigers news. Pete's got some White Sox and Giants thoughts. We have... Not one, but two new segments for 2021 that will run by you to probably mediocre reviews, but it's going to be fun for us, so fuck off. But um, we also have an unbelievable asshole of the week that may already be in the running for asshole of the year and in this young year. So let's go ahead and jump into the news. Now here's the news. It's the news. The big news. Oh, fuck, Scotty, that is good news. That is great news, man. Let's bring it all home as Major League Baseball presents This Week in Baseball. Uh, I think we'll start with the Cubs just because there is so much going on in a negative light. Uh, not, not anything positive. They're not signing free agents like a big market club should be doing. Uh, they're signing people like uh, Cole Stewart. Uh, Shelby Miller, who was a big name about five years ago. Um, yeah, that, that's the extent of the Cubs signings right now. Uh, there might be a few that I miss cause it's so. Well, don't it... forget. They'll be looking at Carlos Rodon, mm. um, in a, uh, workout as well as Jeff Samarja. So... I, I was going to bring up the shark. Yeah. They're going to the be shark, looking at the shark, the shark and Rodon. So it could be like, sort of like a little mini white Sox players the Sox couldn't win with uh yeah coming to the Cubs yeah a little retro throwback to the past uh mediocre past for everyone involved but yes yeah I mean let's the the other big news I guess isn't directly with the Cubs but I did want to talk about Theo Epstein taking a new job he that, he has, that didn't take long yeah, he has a reason to get up in the mornings now, so I'm I'm happy for him. He, he's got a he's gainfully employed again. He's no longer in his PJs on his couch every morning. Um, I think he gave in too early, but whatever. <laughs> he's now the is he as the assistant to the commissioner or is he just a, a consultant to the commissioner? He's in the commissioner's office, uh, which I think is probably a brilliant move by the otherwise ridiculously bad commissioner um this might be his best move he's made by hiring theo to help him improve the game of baseball i think is maybe maybe the bullet point that is on his job description um that's quite a task these days uh, it's, it's an uphill battle it's yeah real, actually is it i mean he also he came into the cubs and the you know he came to the cubs with an uphill battle the red sox is an uphill battle so if anyone can do it i think yeah. it's theo well that's the thing I, I'm, I'm i don't doubt his abilities and no one should because he's had the biggest hills to climb in the sport and he's mount he's he's crested both of those hills so give him a bigger challenge and i think he can do it um it, the irony is that he's solving issues that he himself created over his 20 years as a GM. Well, he between... is a, he's insider information, right? Exactly. On how to solve them. If, if he could destroy the game of baseball, he can rebuild it. So he's the, he's the one to do it. So uh, mainly referring to the three true outcomes, the strikeout, the walk, or the home run that baseball has devolved into. That is literally the strategy of 
Theo Epstein's regime starting in Boston to work at bats, to try and draw walks. Uh, who, give, who gives a fuck about strikeouts? It's just another out. But the main way to to win games is get on base and hit home runs. And that's, that's what baseball has become because everyone looks and acts and is from the same school as Theo Epstein. Um, they have all become disciples of his and that's where we are in the game. So, and he's actually admitted to that, which is, which is great. The, the self-awareness um, that he, he's fully aware that he, he has created a lot of the monster that he's now going to be trying to disassemble. So uh, the other part of that, that he's, probably going to be working on is you know disincentivized tanking which is precisely what the cubs had to do when he got to the north side and it worked to great success and that is why lots of teams are tanking these days we've seen it with your white Sox, we've seen it with uh, houston astros uh, we've seen it with multiple teams my tigers are trying to do a modified version of that and it's not working quite well right now but we'll see but you've seen how tanking can uh, lead two championships down the road, but uh, so can't blame teams for doing that. Um, but I think I think MLB, Theo, and the commissioner's office can work to disincentivize that. I don't know if that means going to drastic measures like other leagues have, where you have a draft lottery, um, so you can't guarantee yourself the number one overall pick by losing hundred plus games. Um, I have mixed feelings about that. Well, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. If that happens to be one of one of the solutions Theo and co come up with, but I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I think it's cool. I, I mean, obviously I'm a, I'm a disciple of Theo. He, he brought a championship to the, to the North side, um, have very little criticism, criticism of him. I think he is the right man for the job. I certainly like him in that office much more than the current position holder, Rob Manfred. And I don't know if there's speculation that he could take Manfred's job away from him eventually. I don't think that's the angle. Um, I don't think Manfred would be very happy about that. Um, so I doubt he would have hired Theo if he thought that was that was the why Theo was taking the job to eventually take his own job. But I think it sounds like a short-term, short-term position for Theo. Maybe he's there for a couple of years, and hopefully they can do a lot of damage to the to the the bad system that's set up right now. A lot of the other part of that, I think, is going to be the upcoming negotiations for the new collective bargaining agreement, and it's it's pretty much a. I think it's a brilliant move, and that if that's part of the thinking, because Theo has a lot of credibility with number one, the owners, but he has lots of credibility with players too. And that, that could be a bridge that has not existed between ownership and the commissioner and the players union. Um, Cause you're seeing lots of dark stormy clouds in the horizon that we've, we've talked about for a long time, but hopefully maybe Theo can be part of part of the solution, part of a, an olive branch to bridge the two, the, the large gulf between the two sides right now that we're, we're going to see getting <laughs> talked about a lot more as this year progresses, as the collective bargaining agreement expires at the end. I believe it's in November of this year. So um, other Cubs news. Uh, I think maybe this could start their Cubs rub segment. Um, number one, uh, just kind of there's just in general, there's sad 
consternation, anger, uh, yeah. everything in Cubs Nation these days. And one one example that I did not expect to see about this is the otherwise cheery and uh, fan favorite Chris Bryant got a little angry on social media after he admitted admitted to not having very much fun playing baseball these days. Uh, the Chris Bryant, uh, two weeks ago, I think, went on to a podcast, Redline Radio, a Barstool podcast here in Chicago. Uh, just just to shoot the shit, it's it's a really irreverent uh, podca- baseball or Chicago sports pod- podcast, but they definitely get into Cubs and Sox a lot. Um, so I think he either he didn't know or he should have known what he was getting in, into. This is not a typical... Uh, hoity-toity podcasts these are these are guys not too different than us just a lot more yeah, famous yeah. and they actually get paid for this shit but it's not a marquee network bra podcast. no no definitely not so he, he knew what he was in for but he so he sounded kind of surprised when <clears throat> actual writers across chicago started talking about what he actually said on their podcast and what he said was very honest and not that big a deal. Um, he said he wasn't having much fun at times over the last couple of years because, you know, he's been struggling. The The Cubs have not, you know, they make, keep making the playoffs, but they're not getting to the, the heights that they want, of course. Um, he's received some criticism on social media because that's what social media is. Um, so he was just, I think, just being honest about that. And what, what's weird is that he didn't, he wasn't prepared for regular media to take that, take his words and make a story about it. And he, he specifically bristled at Jesse Rogers of ESPN Chicago wrote a story, basically just reiterating what Chris Bryant said on the show that he was not always having fun. Um, It's been a rough, rough time for him, especially since his abysmal 2020 season somehow Chris Bryant misconstrued that um, and it may have been sensationalist headline writing that caught his caught Bryant's attention, but he went after Jesse Rogers um, saying, Oh, it must be a slow news day. If you're writing about this, um, I think he said, I think he put, use a hashtag do better. And, you know, he's basically accusing Jesse Rogers of, of writing clickbait. Uh, making a story out of nothing, but Jesse, I, I don't know what your thoughts are about Jesse Rogers. I think he's, I think he's a fine reporter. I don't think he's the greatest or the worst, but I don't think he, no, he he's does a, not strike me as a clickbait guy at all. No, like, he's a, I mean, he's a fan reporter of all yeah. the teams he covers. You can tell he's a yeah, he loves, fan of the team. So I don't, th- but I think he's objective. Like, I don't, yeah, think right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I don't, I have no problem. Yeah, I have no problem with anything I've ever heard out of Jesse Rogers' mouth. So well, that's the thing. Like, and I didn't have any problem with this when I saw it. So it was surprising that Chris Bryant did. Um, especially surprising because if you look at it, Chris Bryant is hardly on social media. And I think he's made it a point to stay away from social media because of the criticism that he spoke of um, that's been kind of coming at him for for a few years now. He tweets like twice a year. So <laughs> For the last three years or so. So this so he chose his one of maybe two tweets this year to go after a local journalist, which is very non-characteristic of the Christ that I like to call him Christ Bryant. Um, so for him to get butthurt about someone using 
you know, literally taking his words and doing a recount of what he said on a podcast is, is just kind of emblematic of the, the frustration that I think Cubs players obviously are now feeling uh, the organization is uh, Cubs fans. There's just sort of consternation. There's just sort of an ugly, ugly undertone to everything that's going on in the North side right now. I think it's, I think it's, even gotten to Chris Bryant, which is yeah. very surprising. And it's it, it would be very easy for him, and it has been for him to ignore social media and ignore the media in general. But for him to, you know, he went on the podcast and obviously he went right onto Twitter to see what see what people thought about it and got upset when somebody wrote a story about it. So I don't know. I just thought that was it's kind of ridiculous. And it's I think it's just sort of a symbol of of <laughs> the the arrow pointing down on the north side they should they should change the sponsorship of wrigley field to maybe guaranteed rate to to uh better better uh better emphasize the negativity with that arrow pointing down um yeah i think it's also kind of the unfortunately it it kind of is a mirror of what the culture of that team is and we mm. talked about this like like Javi Baez complaining he was having a bad year because there was no one there to cheer him on. And the team yeah. just sort of the management embracing that and, 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 and sort of feeding into it. Like there, there is this like sort of coddling nature of the Cubs of, of these guys. And they're well past the age of coddling. Now the, the, you know, the petting zoos have left town and, you know they're 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 veterans now and and they just need to be treated but like like men and they need to realize that if they go on to social media if they go on to a podcast if they go to a reporter and say something that people are going to write about it yeah. whether it's good or bad if he said something great if he said something amazing it'd be getting the same coverage you yeah, know I like think if he... he said if he said his goal if he came out and he said you know what? I know all this stuff's been written about me, but like the way I feel right now, I want to be part of this Cubs organization for the next 10 years. That would have been written about too all mm -hmm. over the place. So like you got to take the good with the bad. And he's mostly had positive press, even when he said, even, um, you know, when he did air some frustration uh, last year over contracts and, and whatnot, yeah, he no one really attacked him for it because he was right, you know. Yeah. So and he was totally honest. Told his yeah. his thoughts on it were really revealing, and I don't think anyone thinks otherwise of him. So that that's why this is this is kind of out of character and surprising that he's bristling at at this, especially one report, and that he's doing it on social media, which are things he said he's wanted to stay away from. So, yeah. like I said, I think this is just a. It's kind. Of, it's showing what kind of frustration is brewing on the north side. That even even someone as usually level-headed and uh, reasonable as Chris Bryant is is struggling to deal with realities right now. So it's it's a mess. Uh, part of that consternation and mess on the north side right now is the <laughs> literal jettisoning jettisoning of eighty percent of their starting rotation. Uh, the only remaining starter from last year is Kyle Hendricks. Now, officially, um, we've ha we had some signings that got Cubs fans riled up uh, over the last couple weeks. That I'm don't understand why people are 
frustrated and annoyed by because we saw this coming a long ways away that number one is john lester signed with the washington nationals or should we call them uh it's it's essentially wrigleyville east now as they're signing <laughs> right, there all go. sorts of all sort of eschewed uh, former Cubs with Kyle Schwarber signing there a few weeks ago. And let's be honest, Wrigleyville East is not as classy as Wrigleyville North. No. How much how much are buckets at Wrigleyville East? Probably <laughs> way more expensive than Wrigleyville North. Wrigleyville North, uh, not Milwaukee. You were referring to the dive bar just <laughs> north was. of Wrigley on, on Sheffield. frequent from time uh, to time. Yeah, I've walked by that many times. I think they are out of business due to the pandemic. Mm. So that's a sad. Maybe they'll come back. But yeah, it, maybe. It, it looked very shuttered the last several times I walked by mm. it. So, so sad day, sad day. One of the worst dive bars in Chicago, but it's on my way home normally. So I usually Why end not? up there. Why or not? I, at least at least go in to take a piss before I yeah. halfway on my journey. So I've done that many times. But so shout classy, out to Wrigleyville North. Place. Yeah. Uh, but we digress. Uh, yeah. The the strange thing about the John Lester signing, um, isn't the signing itself, uh, which ended up being, uh, it's a two-year deal. He gets paid $2 million the first year. It's actually a $5 million deal over two years, but he, I think they have like several years to pay out the last $3 million. It's just a small deal is, is what it yeah. is. Um, Cubs fans, Cubs podcasters, Cubs uh, beat writers are just, they are freaking out and yeah. just furious that the Cubs did not sign John Lester for, for that kind of salary or even less. Cause he did say he, he would come back for less money that the Cubs paid him $10 million to go away uh, this off season as his buyout clause. Um, I'm so confused and I, I'm not, I'm actually not confused. At first I was, and I thought about it and I know exactly what's happening, why people are so angry about this and, and act like they were blindsided that John Lester isn't coming back. Well, <laughs> There, if you didn't, if you didn't realize John Lester wasn't coming back, that the Cubs were not willing to resign him for whatever price, you're not paying attention. I just think it's, I think it's be either being willingly naive or not just not not reading the tea leaves. But think about what's happened. They paid him ten million dollars just to go away. The not not that there's any you know bad blood between them. They don't. They don't either. Well, there's two reasons why they're not, they're, they're not, they have no money. They do have money, but they're not going to spend money. Yeah. But they're going to say they don't have money, but they yeah. have money. They that, have that's the main money. reason. But he's not a great pitcher anymore. He's, no. I think he's done. I think he should have retired. But, and maybe that's what they were subtly trying to tell him. Um, I don't expect anything to happen well for the, the Nationals, which is a whole nother story. Yeah. Hey, uh, fantasy, fantasy owners, fantasy baseball team players. Yeah. If you if you if you use quality starts, don't draft John yeah. Lester because he's not going past he's not going past five innings. He's he's the he's, great. He's a fifth starter who's going to give you five, and they may not even be that great from yeah. time to time. He's going to shine occasionally, but what's going to happen is he's going to give you five innings and like a near five Maybe. ERA. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like like that's what you're getting, and and to your point, Ryan, like like why would anyone want that? It's the same. It's the same thing. I don't want to. I don't want to get us off the path, but it's very similar to Twitter with White Sox fans as to why the Sox didn't sign Jose Quintana. <laughs> I don't know because who knows how many games he's actually going to fucking pitch this year. Like that's that's like old school way of thinking. 
Yeah. And and we're in a news we're in new school baseball and both teams. Uh, obviously, if you've been watching the Cubs for the ten last ten years, the whole nostalgia thing is gone. All right. It's about trying to win. It may not look like it right now, but ultimately that's going to be their goal. And it's the same thing for the White Sox. It's not about bringing guys back because your fans want Jose Quintana to come back to a contender. He doesn't help make them a contender. Well, I've so, got more to say about Quintana, but but back to John Lester. I, I, I'm not saying any of this to disparage the man because he's, I, I believe he's the, the greatest free agent signing in Chicago sports history. If you think about what he, what his, his uh, signing actually did for the Cubs. It was the last piece. It was what made them legit in 2015 to become contenders eventually to the NLCS in 2015 and eventually world series champions for the first time in 108 years. And he, he was the main catalyst for that. Um, He earned every dollar, every dime of the $155 million six year deal he signed. Um, no, I'm not disparaging his performance in the Cubs. It's just, it's just time that he he's not in their plans going forward. I, his he like I said, he, I think he'd be he would have been better served retiring. But hey, he can make a little bit of money in these last couple of years. Maybe maybe he'll prove me wrong. But there's a legit reason why he was not signed by the Cubs. The illegit reason that is is the real reason behind this is that Tom Ricketts has chosen not to spend any money and even a paltry amount of money. But that's not news. That is not news with the with this off season it, with and with the signing of John Lester to uh, a deal with the Nationals. The, the, this is not. This is no one should <laughs> have been caught this. by surprise. Me? That's all right. But I've, uh, I'm not I, watching you. No one's watching you. This sorry. Is a I had mostly. a. I, 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 poured, I poured coffee and then it spilled and got out of my vinyl. <laughs> all right. Some You're making this work. This work. We, I could have just right. ignored it like I was. But you could have just not brought attention to it. But here we go. <laughs> I just think it's funny, and we like to make people laugh. So, all right, continue, Ryan. Yeah, thank you. Um, the <laughs> say that you didn't see this coming is just stupid because the Cubs just traded away you Darvish and his the sixty million dollars yes! that they owed him for. Lottery tickets. We did a whole segment about this, uh, either the last pod or the pod before. They traded away arguably the best pitcher in the National League for four lottery tickets, mid-level, well, high, probably B-level prospects that are not ready to not ready to contribute. That is the telegraphed move. The Cubs are not spending money, no matter what amount it is. So for for Brett Taylor from Bleacher, Bleacher Nation for Cap on his fucking idiot Fuck podcast. That guy. Gordon Wittenmeyer. Uh, even guys that I really, I, I do like Brett Taylor a lot, but he was freaking out on his podcast and I forget what it's called, on the Waveland or something with Sahad of Sharma and Pat Mooney. They're all just going with such, such vitriol against the Cubs not signing John Lester. Like they were caught blindsided and they're not. I don't know how you could be. It's so clear what the Cubs are doing, even though they haven't expressly stated that they are not spending money and they are doing essentially a rebuild on the fly, a retool, whatever you want to call it. So to act surprised about it at this point is, is either disingenuous or completely naive and it's ridiculous. So 
I don't know. It, I think it's, again, it's more emblematic of the frustration in general of the Cubs direction right now and how they are not acting like a big market team. They are trying to, they are in save money mode, which is ridiculous considering a franchise is worth $3 billion. Um, I feel <laughs> we could talk forever about that strategy and the money the Cubs do or do not have or are willing or unwilling to spend, but it's a short-sighted philosophy on my in, in in my mind i think it's a mistake to, for the cubs to act this way but it is what it is and act surprised by it but mainly over the lester side like people are more upset about not signing lester than they were about trading away you darvish for Pennsylvania. yeah which is which is which again goes back to that whole idea of that like nostalgia thing like exactly and it's hokey it's that hokey sh- cub shit that drives me yeah. crazy like i, like I can't believe that's said- still happening but those guys were saying, you know, respected journalists and podcasters and, and bloggers, like those guys I just mentioned, were saying, you know, they the Cubs owed it. I know that to was John same, Lester, and that was the same to com- bring him back. The same comments about Quintana that they owed it to him because he Th- suffered through is, so many bad years. That is that is archaic thinking. That's yeah, that's, that's a team that, that that's a team again that doesn't want to compete in the current game of baseball and just wants to try to put a couple extra fans in the seat because a fan favorite was brought back. Yeah. Like that's not, that. that's not the game I want to see. That is not no. the game I want my teams to be playing uh, no. for, for Cubs fans and Cubs pundits to be pining for that shit is stupid. And I'm, I'm in a way, I'm glad the Cubs are being cold hearted and not pulling that shit. Cause it, it doesn't, it doesn't win you games. Cap literally said he wanted, he wanted Lester back just so he could win seven games maybe and get to 200 or whatever, whatever the, his, I think it's 200 is the milestone that Lester's close to. Like that's literally all Cap wanted. Like, did you hear what you just said? You fucking moron. You, you are more concerned about a player hitting a milestone for marketing purposes than you are for the long-term success of the team that you say you have devoted your entire life to to win world series. And you're more concerned about seven wins for a, a pitcher that's past his prime. That, that that's just one example of myriad of how stupid Dave Kaplan is. Um, he should know better, but he never will. So, but it, that it's that kind of mentality that drives me nuts about, about Cubs fans. I, I see it more about Cubs fans, but I, I know it happens everywhere and probably I'm more, more, immersed in Cubs fandom, but like you said, it happens on the South side too. And I see it with, with Detroit. Stop it. Just stop and stop acting all butthurt because John Lester signed a small deal. It's not going to make a difference to this team. John Lester isn't appreciably better than whatever <laughs> of the, whatever the four extra starters they're signing are going to be. I think it's, I think it's a push. I think it's actually an opportunity for, uh, you know, younger pitching prospects in the Cubs system, like Albert Al- Adbert Elzale. Um, you know, there's there's opportunity there. So I don't know. It, it's just again, it's just more frustration. I think it's displaced anger about a subject that they should have understood was coming. That John Lester is not coming back, but people are just angry about the direction of the Cubs or lack thereof. So. It's a weird time on the on the north side for sure, and it's ironic that I am actually in the process of moving away from the north side right now to get away from that shit. I'm literally moving to Michigan these days, so I'm going to be 
more immersed in tiger's culture uh and but definitely keeping keeping abreast of cubs news from afar um maybe i'm picking the right time to get the fuck out of the north side right now but it's just a, it's a strange time so it's funny when you look at the cubs rotation specifically you know they still have kyle Hendricks is going to be their anchor now which although i have heard rumors rumors Red, there have rumor been trade mail. talks where they might even get rid of kyle Hendricks, which everyone will lose their mind over well they're um, gonna which... they're gonna really lose their mind because i mean what's isn't the one rumor there's like a hendrix um a Contreras combo deal out there yeah like yeah that's trading them tra- trading them in a combo package and like some sort of three-way deal or something like that yeah that would that would be the end for most cubs fans they wouldn't know what to do with themselves so i mean you look at the rotation right i mean it's it's kyle hendrix it's zach davies it's uh, Shelby Miller, who would have been a, an interesting signing five years ago, but the subsequent five years have been horrendous for him. So they're definitely taking a flyer on him. They just signed some guy I mentioned earlier named Cole Stewart, who was with the Twins, who I'd never heard of. Um, and I think it's going to be Alzalay and maybe uh, I forget the other prospect that came up at the end of last year. But it's a rebuild, folks, um, whether anyone's willing to say it out loud it's a fucking rebuild so get used to it and to keep getting surprised and getting angry about it is stupid stop it <laughs> get used to it this is this is what the cubs are for at least this year and may, you know maybe as we emerge from the pandemic and economies and life gets back to more normal maybe the cubs can start acting more normal we we can argue about the merits of the Cubs decision-making right now. Um, and I'm not for it, but it's just reality. It, and to act like <laughs> you're surprised by it is disingenuous or, and, or naive. So fuck off. Um, let's see, let's get, let's get the fuck off the North side. Well, we're not, we're not going to go quite yet. Cause, oh, cause I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fan the flame. <laughs> Okay. That, that, and, and I feel like I feel like the media at this point, you know, and we were kind of talking about this like in a few podcasts ago where we had this feeling like the media had kind of turned on the Cubs and, 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 and the Cubs had to get on the defense a lot because of what Ricketts has said about money and things like that. So uh, a cost survey was done by uh, TN Betts. This story came out late yesterday, very late mm-hmm. yesterday. So. I don't know. It's some company called TN Bets. Um, but it's been, uh, I guess so. And it was uh, covered, but it's been it's been getting picked up by publications now. And uh, this is in the Sun Times. They covered it, so I'm sure it's going to okay. end up on sports radio if it didn't this morning. Uh, but the Cubs are the most expensive fan experience in all of baseball. The average yeah. one. One fan, the average cost per person is 109.78 to go to a baseball game at Wrigley Field. That is the average cost. The Red yeah. Sox are next at 96.62, and the Yankees at 95.91, and then the White Sox are 12 at 66.58. So, wow, I'm surprised it's that the, high. This, this, this kind of like news too is just only going to make. Cubs fans angrier because oh, whoa 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 wait I'm gonna stop you right there this is not news I, I've seen those numbers for and obviously those numbers are based on 20 2019 that that's not yeah. news so it, this is just some aggregator putting together an old story I mean we like the stats are out there 
So I think that's just somebody piling on to the negative negativity. Right, and, right. But, but, like, but, but it is but a fact. You, it's not. It's do you, not. But do you, think, do you think the average person remembers that? And that's so now they're just stoking. <laughs> I guess stoking. I don't give a fuck about the average person. Well, I mean, I knew yes. about it. So and okay, if people, well, didn't, if people didn't realize it, then they're being stupid and naive. That they were the most expensive team in all of baseball, more so than I, the Yankees and the Red Sox. I knew that for the last three years. It's been that way. It's not right, but to get angry about it right now is just is just piling on. Well, it's, I mean, it's not, yeah, it's, it's not news. I, mean, I think to get angry about it is fine because your team is 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 has money and they're not willing to spend it. Uh, 2019, you know, they they did were the fourth team in baseball with 471 million dollars, only to be followed by the Giants with 452. So you know, like th these are numbers that that that's why the fan base is angry. But well, that, yeah, absolutely, and yeah, and I don't, I admit that, and I I understand yeah. that, but it's just it's piling on at this point. I mean. I, I I guess I bristled at the idea that that's news. It's it's certainly not news, and if it's news to somebody, they're not paying attention. So, all right. Well, I wasn't paying attention. So, uh, <laughs> uh, moving on, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do an infield shift here since we're talking money, and I brought up the Giants. I'm gonna go Giants before White Sox. Whoa, if you don't mind. whoa, unprecedented. Uh, well, no, no, it's just because it makes sense now after um, we talk pregame. Is this a little um, so, gigantism? Yeah, a little gigantism. So the Giants, as I just stated in 2019, uh, the Giants are, have sort of morphed themselves into a Cub-like team in that their ballpark is, well, having spent time in San Francisco and you obviously having lived in that area, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting town. Um, and really the baseball park is one of the like more laid back type of destination, so to speak. Cause like, as we've talked about before, if you want a beer uh, around the ballpark, you have to walk like two miles because that was 15 could... years ago. I believe yeah. that's been up upgraded since, but yeah, that was definitely my impression in 05. Yeah, right? definitely. But... When we were there for, for that concert, the stones and Metallica, it was hilarious. Well, how far concert. we had to walk. Yeah, it was a great concert. Everclear too. Um, but <laughs> But so the Giants, the Giants do have money and unlike the Cubs and in that weird sort of giant sphere that we've talked about on the show, uh, it's been reported that today at some point we're going to hear that they've given Tommy LaStella a three-year $19.5 million deal only to be followed up by possibly a deal either to Jock Peterson, Jackie Bradley Jr. or Eddie Rosario. So uh, this is not addressing pitching, which seems to be a bigger issue for them now than hitting because they seem to hit okay last year. So um, I'm happy that they're willing to spend money. But I, again, like, I just wonder what is the direction of this team at this point in time? Because, because they're in that, like that weird in between state that that's what the giants I, do. I mean, this is yeah, what they always do. It's just like the, at some point I, I was really thinking they were going to go into the full like rebuild type of thing, but they're not going to. So I, I don't, I just don't know what this season's going to bring now. I wasn't expecting a lot from it, but, um, and who knows what the season's really going to look like, but we'll get into that in a little bit, but yeah. So it's, it's uh, like, I like, I like the Listella signing, especially since it's over three years, but um, how much know, money? 19.5 not yeah, not, a, not a ton but no but uh, they're spending money but yeah that's a strange way to to spend money i mean the the old 
the old cliche is you can't be a little bit pregnant. Either you are or you're not. So and the Giants seem to always try to straddle the line between rebuilding and, and holding on to players or signing players. And Lestella, when there's other options out there that might cost a little bit more money, um, that would be, you know, better, better fill those positions better. It seems, seems like if they're going to spend 20 million, why wouldn't they spend 50 million? You know, what, what's what, I mean, I, yeah, I, I know, I know. But... I, I don't, I don't disagree with you. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they do get like the, if they get Jock Peterson or Jackie Bradley Jr. So, um, but so that, that was really about it for the giants. Um, moving over to my hometown favorite white Sox. First of all, I want to start off with a celebratory happy anniversary to Jerry Reinstorf, who 40 years ago today purchased the White Sox for $20 million. It's the anniversary <laughs> oh of my God. Jerry Reinstorf buying the White Sox. I'm going to say that number again for $20 million. million. Wow. $20 million. <laughs> so happy anniversary, Jerry. You've had one world championship in 40 years. Wow. Not really a great <laughs> legacy, but we'll see how the rest of it uh, pans out. Now, getting uh, into some more um, uh, funny news. Uh, speaking of Kaplan, Kaplan uh, earlier oh. this week has pledged his allegiance to the White Sox. The latest bisexual to reveal him. Yes. Come out of the closet yeah. as a bisexual. He is going to buy. He's going to jump on the bandwagon and buy season tickets and i've never been more repulsed in my life i don't want him i want him to stay on the north side i we don't want him on the north side so you can have i know i know if it is it has it has erupted into so much great social media uh i think sylvie's doing some of the best stuff he was like so if kaplan was if you worked with Kaplan, would you invite him to your wedding? Yes or no? Um, then it was like, hey, good riddance, Kaplan. Um, enjoy your time on the South Side, you Fairweather fan, which I tweeted back to him. Please keep him. Um, we don't want him. So I, I don't I don't know what he's just he's just uh he's just a stain on Chicago sports media that I wish would just go him. away. We've probably given him way too much airtime to speak. Yeah, yeah, he's he's, he's enjoying this. So. Yeah, this is exactly why he's doing it. I mean, just to yeah. get to get his name out there. He's he is the quintessential Chicago sports meathead. He, apparently, his allegiances are not nearly as deep as we think they are. It, this is all this is all a bit, but he probably writes off the can write off the Sox season tickets cost. Um, I fuck him. Yeah, <laughs> Good exactly. riddance. Yeah, go and uh, outside. Get away. Go. Don't let the door go. hit you on the ass on the way go, out. Go be a Twins fan or something. Yeah, that's and the next one. Speaking of the Twins, so wow. Uh, this really old DH is sitting out there unsigned, Nelson Cruz. Mm-hmm. And and I've real mixed emotions about this, and here's why. Uh. The Sox really don't need a DH. We've we've talked about that. At Everyone night. thinks they do, and I feel like I we're know. the only only podcast that says why would they sign a DH? They've got plenty of options yeah. there to rotate. Through. Yeah, you you create yeah, more you, problems you, for for the rotate for your yeah. lineup than than you solve. And and you know regression shows Cruz mm-hmm. probably at about thirty home runs this year. So someone who's probably going to get. 
I don't know. It's been what? What's he going to get? Probably ten million, twelve million. Well, it's hard to predict with this, as the owner yeah. kind of suppress this free agent market, as all the big names have not been signed yet. So, and they're going to scramble at the end to sign whatever deals they can get, which yeah, is. But you know, let's interesting. Let's let's, let's hypothetically say. So the problem, my biggest problem with signing him would be is he's he's adamant about getting a two year deal, and that just makes zero sense for the White Sox altogether, right? A one year deal, maybe. And the reason I say that is, it looks like all signs somehow the Twins are going to just end up resigning him. That's what I've read, yeah. But is it a strategic move on the White Sox park, a part, excuse me, to get him out of the Twins lineup? Does that strengthen their position in the division? And is is if you can get them on like a one year, maybe with an option or something like that? Um, because to me, I agree with you a hundred percent. That's I, I have so many mixed emotions about this idea. Um, because I, I don't understand, first of all, why uh I know you need diversity in your lineup, but we have switch hitters and left-handed hitters. So we don't really need a left-handed DH. We have enough in the lineup to where like the whole idea that we have to have a left-handed DH is kind of archaic thinking. That's exactly what I was, I was going to say antiquated, but yeah, yeah. same point for sure. It, it's literally old thinking in baseball. It, oh, you got to have a DH. I mean, what, yeah, you got to have a DH and, and we, you need a left-handed DH. Why do we need a left-handed? We don't need a left-handed DH. You've we, got, we've got like, you, there's we've got, so much diversity in your lineup right now. You you can cover that, and it, it gives opportunities for players such as Andrew Vaughn to be called up. Uh, yeah, you, there's plenty of there's plenty of flexibility in your lineup to cover the DH slot. And I think more more than anything, I think it I think it's clear that the the White Sox are done spending. They've spent plenty this this off season and. I'd be surprised. And I think, I mean, not that Rick Hahn's going to lay his cards on the table, but they've pretty much said that. And by yeah, their actions, they kind, they kind, you know, they're they done spending. So there's some Sox fans that are upset and think they should be spending more, but the fact that they're spending uh, in, in a depressed economy, I think is, is encouraging for you guys. Um, yeah, so they, it's, it's they, a little, it's a little greedy on Sox fans part to want them to spend uh, more. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they had the, they were the 20th uh, in, in ticket re- in revenues in in 2019 so yeah, you could throw all those numbers out because the economy the whole world is completely different now so yeah uh, but the socks are yeah the socks should probably be spending even less but um they're not so anyway uh and then of course we thought smitty and i thought when we got on today we would be talking about uh the bauer outage trevor bauer being signed by the mets but it turns out in as recently as this morning, that that probably is not going to happen at all. And he is going to remain uh, out there for someone to sign. So the the question is, do you do you blow your wad as uh, as the White Sox and and, don't. and 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 go ahead and sign that to sign him to the three year, thirty six million dollar a year deal? I don't think they do. Where would that number come from? Well, according to these articles coming out in New York, he wants like a Garrett Cole type salary. So he wants anything. Yeah. yeah. I get that. So um, I think, 
I think he's going to the Mets. Mets have the money. I think he'll he'll either sign a one year deal or a three year deal or a long term deal. But he's gonna get he's gonna get a bunch of money. I don't I don't see how the the White Sox would be involved in that. They wouldn't have spent. They would have held money back to do that. You know, they wouldn't have made the moves they've already made if they were really yeah. wanting I, to go after Trevor Bauer. But I think Bauer's an interesting person in that. I don't. Does he? I mean, he may not want to go to the Mets. He may not like the Mets makeup which I am not that terribly impressed by the Mets right now either. So, you know, the question is, does that fit what he really hmm. wants? Yeah. And is There's it no all way funny? to know that. Is it, it's all, I mean, because he, you know, he talks when he talks, and we know he talks when he talks to try to get a better deal. Most it's likely, all marketing. But it's all marketing. Everything he he's, says is marketing. He's, he's too savvy yeah. to tell you anything that's real. Everything he says is just to get a better deal from whatever team he ends up getting a better deal from. So you take everything he says with a grain of salt, or you should. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. But like, it's 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 interesting. It's a, you know, that everyone pretty much said he wouldn't be signed till February anyway. So yeah. I'm seeing the next couple of weeks. I'm sure we'll be talking about wherever he lands. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe the Cubs cleared the books to sign Bauer for three yeah, years. Who knows? For years, we didn't we didn't need any of these players. We just needed Trevor Bauer on the north side. Yeah, he's he's actually pitching in the first and the fifth spot. I wonder if if the Cubs sign Trevor Bauer, <laughs> would would Cap try to sell his Sox season tickets to somebody and then go back to the North Side? I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I guess this continues our our theme of we should probably change the name of the show to the Trevor Bauer Hour. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we hopefully didn't. he That's just signed some somewhere yeah. so we don't have to fucking talk about him anymore. Yeah. So... That's what I'm looking for. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got for the uh, socks. You got some Tigers news there, buddy? I've actually got some Tigers shit to talk about. Marky Anderson has joined us. First of all, how do you feel? I feel great, Mark, but let me tell you this. I'm stupid. Chris just grabbed a nacho. I think he took somebody's nacho. He's doing on something. You know, a little mid-game snack. Magnum P.I., right? Use him for an example, right? Here he is. He carries a Detroit hat around. He's talked about me on the show. And Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell go on the show. Why doesn't someone say, how come we don't have Mark Fittich on the show? Well, the first thing isn't, isn't so much shit, but I wanted to point out that the Tigers have five prospects in MLB's top 35, I think. They said there's five in the top 50, but it's actually in the, in the top 35. Uh, between Casey Mize, uh, Tariq Skubal, uh, Spencer Torkelson, Matt Manning, and Riley Green. They have more prospects in the top 50 than any other team. So we're kind of kind of in in math terms, I guess, it would be similar to the, how the White Sox looked a couple of years ago where you had more top prospects than anybody else. Um, I don't think they're on the fast track as you guys clearly are. I think we're still a couple, couple years away. Um, especially since some of those prospects are quite young, including Torkelson or mainly Riley Green. Um, but I thought that was interesting. Maybe maybe a, a bright spot for Tigers fans to look at going into 2021 as we are leading the league. We are farm system champions, as I like to make fun of the White Sox back in the day. Right now, and we the have, Cubs. Yeah. We've we all made fun of each other's organizations. Absolutely. Farm champions. So I'm putting that out there so you can make, make fun of me, but that's literally all Tigers fans have to hang their hat on. Um, one thing that the, and this is, this is where we get more into the Tiger shit that's bothering me. Uh, it's something I brought up before, but the, uh, 
you know, the athletic, um, has been doing a series called the outsiders. Uh, it talks about the best players not to be in the hall of fame and Pony boy hall of fame. Hall of fame is something we're going to bring up, uh, next segment because they just had their voting, which allowed no one to get into their exclusive club, which is ridiculous, but we'll get into that. But one, one man that has, egregiously been left out in the in the athletic ranks and is number six out of the hundred most obvious players that should be in the hall of fame that are not and that's lou whitaker and i brought him up for year for many many times on this on this podcast and on our blog um second baseman of my youth uh tigers tiger second baseman for 18 years part of the best double play combo in alan trammell at shortstop and Lou at second. Um, Alan Trammell, who made the Hall of Fame two years ago. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. And, and the fact that the the athletics bringing it up and putting him in the top 10 of most egregious ones is kind of leads to my point. I mean, the dude, if he played anywhere, if he played in New York, he would be the most famous second baseman all, of all time because – I mean, you think about Derek Jeter just got elected last year almost unanimously. Um, Derek Jeter has a career war of 71. Lou Whitaker has a career war of 76.4. Something, it's over 76. He is a quantifiably better player than Derek Jeter was, yet he, you people outside of Detroit probably don't even know who the fuck he is. And it's literally because of the the media frenzy of new york that players like J- jeter are f- just exponentially more famous and and more get more accolades it just drives me crazy uh one part to tie this in t- to the south side that might pique your interest is they got down in their countdown the athletic did for their top 100 and they got to number one and that was mini minoso so you know and I, th- I think that's a that's a an apt comparison. I mean, that, that with his numbers, that man should be in the hall of fame. And the reason he's not is because he played on the South side of Chicago instead of a huge media market or wherever, you know, he's not a New York player. So it's just gross. I think we're, we're going to take a break here, but we're going to get into how, how stupid the hall of fame is. At least I'm going to talk about how ridiculous the hall of fame is. And these, those are two examples of people that have been left out. Um, yeah, it's just an injustice. Why, why do we have a Hall of Fame if we're not going to put the best players in? If we're going to, if we're going to do that, if we're going to have a Hall of Fame, it shouldn't be a popularity contest. And we'll get into we'll get into that a little bit here uh, in a moment as we take a break on the Wordhole Media Network. Wordhole Media. If you were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood too. Get your mouth shut. Get your mouth shut. Jerk. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. If worms had machine guns, then birds wouldn't be scared of them. The Limp Bitkins Podcast. Just a couple of Chicago pricks united by our hatred of the University of Michigan football and the Chicago Bears. Find us at LimpDitkins.com and anywhere you listen to podcasts.
Ford Hall Media. All right, you ready to talk about some Hall of Fame about your Hall of Fame thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm ready. My Hall of Fame thoughts are this: um, if if um, you're going to put players on the ballot that um, you know are unfavorable, according to these writers, because of character flaws versus their performance on the field, whether that character be, flaws. Yeah. 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 Whether, whether, whether that be because they use steroids when it wasn't illegal, when everyone else is yeah. doing it or, or they have political views that you don't agree with, or they just weren't nice enough to you when you interviewed them, then why even have a hall of fame? If, if the yep. voting is going to be that petty, if, if the, the news was, is is a, yeah. as of this week is that the Hall of Fame voted no one into the Hall of Fame. Uh, in fact, there were fourteen of is there two hundred and some writers that vote. Fourteen of those ballots were blank. Uh, so writers are making a, a statement one way or the other by not voting people in or not voting for anyone on the ballot. Um, Using basically using what you mentioned, the, the character clause against several obvious Hall of Fame players like Barry Bonds may be the greatest baseball player of all time, but he is not in the Hall of Fame because he used steroids. I think that's obvious that he did, but he was a Hall of Fame player before he even bothered to use steroids. He was going to make the Hall of Fame. Same with Roger Clemens. There's an argument that Roger Clemens could be the greatest pitcher of all time. He is not in the Hall of Fame because he used steroids in a time, like you said, when they were not against the rules. They were illegal in the country, but there was no Major League Baseball rule against them. Not to make it right, not whatever. But the the other egregious, uh, in my mind at least, uh, omission was Kurt Schilling. Uh, he did receive 71% of the vote, but I think Almost. he needs 70 so he got close and he subsequently wrote a letter to the baseball writers association telling him to essentially to fuck off uh he does not want to be included on on the ballot for his final year of eligibility he wants uh more worthy people the veterans committee his peers to actually vote on his worthiness for being in the hall of fame or not and not the the peons that are the are the baseball writers association that like I, you know Kurt Schilling is a total dick. I mean, he's an asshole. It has very questionable political views, but this isn't a political contest. It, it is, but it shouldn't be. The, the man deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and the Bonds and Clemens deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. The character clause is what all these writers are leaning on, and th there's an interesting history about the character clause because you never heard about the character clause for the first 60 years that the hall of fame was around you only heard about the character clause when mark mcguire got onto the ballot the first of the steroids babies that started to get onto the hall of fame ballot and all of a sudden baseball writers are clutching their pearls what what do we do what, what we can't possibly vote for a man like this even though you know for a fact there are many steroids users that are currently in the hall of fame that have been voted for by those same writers that now, you know, try to try to be the self-righteous, you know, guardians of of righteousness, you know, just the, the, the other part of the the character clause, which never came into question for the majority of the years of 
the Hall of Fame's existence. You know, you, you know that by the the presence of Ty Cobb. He's not certainly not of the greatest character. The main part that I want to point out, and that many have pointed out, that know what they're talking about, is the character clause was written by Commissioner Kennesaw Landis, uh, the first commissioner of baseball, who is also responsible. I will give him the responsibility for keeping black people out of the major leagues for another close to 30 years after he took over because he's a fucking racist. He, he, he was the champion, the, the man in charge who refused to let black people into the major leagues, refused integration because he's a piece of shit. So for a character clause to be written by a man like that is laughable. And then to be arbitrarily enforced by writers whenever they feel like they're, they don't agree with something or someone, you know, whatever actions they deem to be not great, they might be right, but that's not a reason to keep somebody out of the fucking Hall of Fame. It's a museum. Put the people in the Hall of Fame. If they deserve it. It's almost like I... I I'm to the point where I just don't give a fuck anymore. I think the, the hall of fame has ruined itself with this. It it's so annoying what they're doing and how they do it, how they go about putting people in or not putting them in. It's supposed to be a fucking museum and they're not, they're treating it like it's church. <laughs> you know, they're, they're trying to put people into heaven or something. That's not, this is fucking baseball people. Why, why are we doing this? I don't know. I've I've gone off and enough on this, but I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to say about it. No, no. I think I mean I think you know there are a like you said, Ty Cobb got in, but like then like someone like Ron Santo, who yeah. was actually speaking of like looking at wars, he was like he had a, a war that was better than like something like crazy, like 40 percent of the third baseman that were in there. But he was another guy who the media didn't like, so he never got voted in. Yeah, and, it's literally because he didn't get along with the media. That's why he, yeah. they waited till he fucking died to put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you know? which is just just ridiculous. And and the baseball, you know, as great as it is historically, also needs to take a long look at itself on how some of these things work. You can't you you can't leave control to who should be in the baseball hall of fame to, as you had pointed out, a bunch of petty writers who, who can't, can't look away from the fact that, you know, bond snubbed them for an interview or wasn't polite in an interview or, or, or Schilling was short with them or whatever it was, you know, or Schilling's political views or whatever. Like it's about the statistics. Exactly. And it's about what they did in the game, not about, how they acted towards you or or like if you want to not put a rod in the hall of fame which i don't think he's going to get in the hall of fame that's fine with me because he did cheat he broke this he broke steroids rules multiple times oh, after, after there was, was a rule, rule. Yeah. after there was a rule so yeah. like stuff like that i'm fine with but like let's just get off of our high horses or just like I don't know. Maybe the Hall of Fame just goes away. Well, it it the, whether whether we think it should, I think I think it's it's trending in that direction because they they're making themselves irrelevant. They're making themselves 
it's it, the whole point of it is should be a celebration of baseball celebration of accomplishments and i know that you know they're not responsible for the cheating or the steroid scandals or the you know political <laughs> consternation but they're 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 making themselves irrelevant and it's to the point where nobody is going to give a fuck anymore because it doesn't represent the you know what the the incredible achievements on the field that it should it should be lauding and representing and it's it's a joke and i think whether whether we rail against it or not it i think it's making itself irrelevant and going and could just go away eventually cuz eventually I mean, if they keep, especially if they keep voting no one in like what's the what's the point yeah, why what's are we the ta- point of why are we going to keep talking about this why should we yeah. why should we let the I mean, press even ugh. even grab our attention for this if we're not going to do anything with it so I guess I could have made Hall of Fame voters assholes of the week, but we've got we've got a better one coming up in a bit. Um, I do think we should start debuting our two new segments. Um, uh, wait, wait, wait! Are we gonna do shit show? I'll do that in between. Let's okay. um, let's start. I want to split those up a little bit. Um, oh, you, you you see, you just pulled a infield shift on me. Can I do that? Is that all right? I mean, you just did it, so well, I know. I, I just, throw geez, you off so much, geez, but geez, you gotta get one in, whatever, right? I'm only gonna take you off course for a moment. <laughs> this is a short segment. Let, let me introduce, without further ado, a new segment I want to call Bob's Bad Tweets. Hey, Bobby, over here. <laughs> Bob. Oh, Bob. Bob. Not great, Bob. Bob Nightingale is my favorite punching bag and a lot of people's favorite punching bags on Twitter as he is probably the worst, the worst Twitter, Twitter-er. He has the worst tweets of any sports writer. Maybe Bruce Levine. No, I was saying, I say Levine's right there and they're buddies, so it makes sense. Well, yeah, we might have to expand this to Bruce and Bob's bad tweets, but for now it's going to be Bob's Bob's. bad tweets. Uh, So I think this, it's been on a weekly occurrence and this, it might play itself out perfectly for going forward. But this is two weeks ago since we haven't done a podcast in a bit, but his perfect bad tweet was talking about the arbitration deadline a couple weeks ago that uh, he wanted to report that Lucas Giolito had signed. And he reported that Lucas Giolito had signed with the White Sox for $4 and 15 cents. <laughs> I know it's amazing. That's why we're getting Bauer. He, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's quite a deal, Bob. I mean, that, that is definitely breaking news to tweet about for $4 and 15 cents. Um, he obviously forgot to put in the capital M or write the word million after 4.15. But uh, the best part of that was like people, assholes like me and everybody else rip on him uh, every time. But <laughs> his colleague, uh, Jeff Passan from ESPN wrote, replied to him right away he's like bob giolito costs less than my sandwich <laughs> that he bought from lunch which i thought was fantastic so just puts into perspective that everyone thinks bob is not a good tweeter so i thought that was a perfect one to launch launch a new segment um we've got one more new segment coming up but before before i want to talk about that i think we should talk about an older segment that we are now updating to call the shit show this time, shit show 2.0. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, we brought this up uh, at the beginning of last year where we chronicled the events of the battle between millionaires versus billionaires, the players versus the owners. Uh, that 
was an ugly contest last year. We predicted it was going to be another ugly, ugly battle this year. And certainly by the end of this year, as the collective bargaining agreement is fought over and may lead to a strike or a work stoppage of some sort, whether it's a lockout or a strike, um, we'll get to that when we get, when we get there, I think that's going to be show 3.0, but we've already seen, uh, salvos fired in shit show 2.0 this year. And we've talked about it a couple of times. I think last episode, I talked about how there were rumors back in December saying, you know, the owners wanted to delay the season as long as they could, you know, to wait for a vaccine. They were going to make, they wanted the players to be vaccinated before spring training started, which you can argue the merits of that. I think that seems it seems re- reasonable on the surface, but then you think about last year, we played a 60 game season without a vaccine. So for the, the idea that you couldn't possibly start spring training or couldn't possibly play games uh, without a vaccine, <clears throat> excuse me, is really disingenuous in my mind. Um, and, you know, the, the thing we brought up last week is, oh, shockingly enough, the owners reversed they're thinking on that and said, nope, we're going to, we're going to, you should plan on spring training and the season starting on time. We will play 162 games. And you and I both pointed out how that was not likely to, to be real. It was a public statement that they just like to throw out there to completely contradict themselves. And it's already being revealed this week that that that's probably the case as Mysteriously, the Cactus League in Arizona, the Spring Training League in Arizona, wrote a or they made known that they thought it would be a good idea to postpone spring training this year as the state of Arizona is uh, seeing a rise in Corona cases, um, which seems legit on the, on the surface. You know, they're, they're worried about things like that until you, you hear reports from multiple sources credible sources. These are not just internet rumors that the commissioner's office of major league baseball wrote a letter to the cactus league, encouraging them to come out publicly and saying they would like spring training delayed, which is back channeling. Excuse me. She's right over there. Yeah. struggling. Back channeling their real agenda as it has been all along to delay the season. So it's just another example of the duplicitous nature of Rob Manfred and the commissioner's office and the owners uh, saying one thing publicly and then doing the complete opposite for nefarious political and uh, negotiating reasons. So I, I, I don't know if you saw that same story, but it just it just we talked about it last show that they were going to say or do the complete opposite at, at some point. Yeah, they, they were going to back. Yeah, they were going to backtrack. Well, they didn't want to do it publicly, though. So it's I mean, even that- it. It's even less yeah. less honorable the way they're doing it. They're 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 kind of you know working behind the scenes and to push a spring training league, the Cactus League, which <laughs> I mean you can talk about what what kind of political clout they may or may not have, but it's just funny that they're the Rob Manfred is propping them up to to forward his nefarious agenda to stop baseball for as long as they can this year. I need you to do my bidding for me. Yeah, we were we had Arizona. an offline conversation about uh, about we should stop calling him Commissioner Manfred, and just ca- start calling him Commissioner Palpatine, I mean, the evil emperor. 
this guy has so many he's working so many moving parts for multiple agendas it's sickening yeah he he, he is easily turned into the worst commissioner of baseball just because of all the politicking I think he just um, had I, his five year five year anniversary was five or six year anniversary was this week as he took over the the reins from Bud Selig, who I didn't think could be a work. Yeah, there could be a work. I know. There, but... I remember how excited I was. And yeah, like I, first, was, I was fired up. And like, wasn't it the, one of the first things he did was like that the All Star Game is going to just be an exhibition again? We're like, yes, that's yeah. how it should be. And yeah, then it, it kind of all fell apart after that. Evolved into madness. Uh, yeah, so. That's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, um, whether the, the season's late. I have not heard that that's going to happen, but you know, if Major League Baseball wants it to not happen on time, it's probably not going to happen on time. You know, Right now they're holding – it's still ridiculous that we don't know what the fucking rules for 2021 are going to be. Is there going to be a universal DH? You know, do, I mean, that, that got voted down by the players, um, which is interesting. That a lot of people got pissed off about. You'd think that would be in the player's best interest, but there's other things attached to that that provision that were not going to be in the player's favor. And honestly, they don't they don't think they're being dealt with honestly with by the the owners. So I don't think they're going to agree to much. I can't believe we can't figure out how to do how to do a DH at least this year. But I don't know. It, it, there's going to be a lot more that's coming out this week. I think we've only scratched the surface of shit show 2.0. So stay tuned. I don't know if you had other thoughts about that. No, no, that I, that's you, you covered it and I've added my two cents there. I mean, he's, he's just, it's, it's just going to be a mess. And the, the, when it comes to the, the agreement that has to be settled on, at the end of the year, at the end of the season, it's just going to be, a. I mean, it does not look good. Yeah. If you thought this is bad, it's going to be way, way worse when we get to November of this year. But let's hope as we talked earlier, uh, maybe Theo can help things out a bit. Maybe Theo's behind this whole thing. Maybe he wrote the letter to Arizona. I blame Theo. <laughs> Theo. <laughs> yeah. He just got on board. Maybe he's first. Yeah. Time. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right, I think it's time for another new segment, right? Yeah, you're, you're fired up about this one. It's a, a new idea. We're trying to bring you new things for 2021, our second full year of podcasting. So I thought it'd be fun to throw in a couple of ridiculous new segments. Uh, this one I, we're calling Ask Hole. Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Clown question, bro. That ain't no kind of answer. I'll answer the question. You can't handle the truth. We're a couple of assholes, and we might as well ask each other some questions that assholes would ask each other that might not be comfortable to answer right away. It puts you in a difficult position about our favorite teams. Uh, I'm going to, well, I think once a week, I'm going to try and ask Pete a question about his White Sox or Giants that he might not want to answer, and he's going to do the same for me for the Cubs and Tigers. That might be difficult for me to answer, so... I think, uh, do you want to start or do you want me to start? Uh, either way, what do you want to do? Uh, I think I want to ask you a difficult question. Okay, ask me a difficult question. I want to ask you if you had, I'm forcing you to trade one of these two players. You have okay. to make a decision here. And it's a tough one. Do you trade Luis Robert or do you trade Lucas Giolito off of the White Sox? Ooh, For whatever wow. reason, you yeah. come into, Maybe there's another downturn or 
uh, Jerry Reinsdorf realizes he can't he can't uh, afford all these si- these signings he made in the offseason. They have to jettison young talent that can get them back uh, a big haul. Either of those players would certainly bring back a big haul at this point. Um, but yes, you have to trade either Lewis Robert or Lucas Giolito. What and do is, you do? Well, wait, now wait. I just got to ask one parameter. Is that is that what are we talking about? This would happen this season, correct? Right now. Trade right. now. Today. Right now. Okay. Today. Do it. Do it now. Okay. So <laughs> I just want to make sure I understood that it's not like down the road or something. But I um that's 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 really interesting and terrifying. It's a terrifying question. Uh, it's an ask question. Yeah, it's an ask question. Um, but I think. Um, based on, and I know this, this sounds, this might sound weird seeing as, uh, starting pitching is, is a bit of a topic with the White Sox. I don't think it's as dire as, as White Sox fans make it out to be, but I would go with trading Lucas Giolito right now. Um, young pitching, um, ace. Uh, I would go with that because, you know, you do have, you do have um, Keichel under control and, and, and uh, you got Lynn this year. Um, you got some guys coming up down the pipeline. Some, a lot of question marks there, but, um, and I would do it because pitching's, wow, pitching can, can, value of a pitcher can turn on you probably faster than a value of a position player um as mm. as as we see that you know chris bryant had a horrendous season last year but still was able to get 19.8 million dollars um but an arm injury to a uh to a pitcher and the value drastically drops off and and you can't get as great of a haul most likely from him as you as you could uh, from uh, a position player who, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, you, as you could get from like, say, a Lewis Robert, even two or three years down the road. So I would take Giolito because, you know, he may be, and it's probably going to be for the next few years, uh, barring any injuries, he's at the height of his game. Um, and probably we haven't seen Lewis Robert even reach mm. his, the height of his game yet. So he would be a trade I would would if if the same question was maybe asked two or three years from now then um, and I hope it's not because it could be real and it could be the biggest bust one of the biggest busts in baseball history on a rebuild but um, you know I would I would definitely go with Lucas Giolito because I, I think he's top value and I think Robert is, still has uh, yet to prove his full value he's not well, matured yet those are well reasoned thoughts I, I thank you for taking my asshole question seriously but i'm just happy i got you to admit that you hate lucas giolito and that <laughs> that's, you that's true yeah. top, so. that, that's true but yeah now it's now it's your turn to ask me a tough question oh and this really fits in with our show today ryan hmm. smitty when do you think the cubs will legitimately return back to contention Wow, that is a loaded question as you get me to admit that they are not contenders right now. Um, I, I could argue that they are contenders in their own horrendous division. Um, NL Cent- the NL Central has refused collectively to sign any players of significance. Um, in fact, 
teams like the Reds, Pirates, um, and uh, the Brewers. I don't think the Brewers maybe, but the team players are leaving those teams in trades. Um, so it's like a race to the bottom of the NL Central. And I think the only team that it's kind of standing pat right now and could potentially challenge uh, would be the Cardinals, but they're not doing all that. They signed Adam Wainwright uh, yesterday, I think. So that's their big move of the, of the off season, but only since the, the division is so shitty, I think the Cubs are still going to be in contention. I think that's, I'm being disingenuous because I think your question is really about contention for world series. And that should be the only, the only contention that Cubs fans are worried about. And I think clearly the Cubs are a ways away. They are they are going backwards. You don't trade the Cy Young candidates in New Darvish and think you are going for it in any way. So what's interesting about the Cubs' position, though, is they are not, at least publicly at this point, going in a full rebuild as they tore everything down back in 2012 and 13. Um, they're not publicly doing it, and they're not they're – not, they're not really doing that in, in, in reality. You're not seeing that yet because they still have Rizzo. They still have Chris Bryant. They still have Javi Baez. But at this point, I think I'd have to say there is potential that they could be back contending in 2022 if we have a 2022 season and if the world gets back to normal and if Tom Ricketts and his pocketbook get back to normal, or if he starts viewing his pocketbook the way he should be and the value of the franchise that he owns and the fact that he can spend money, though he chooses not to in a short-sighted manner. So I think if, if Tom Ricketts, your question comes back to what does Tom Ricketts want to do? If literally, when do they want, when does he want to be a contender again? And he could decide based on whatever the new collective bargaining agreement has incentivized owners to do or not to do. It could be as soon as 2022. I'm not going to, you know, through free agency, through re-signing Javi Baez, through maybe even miraculously re-signing Chris Bryant, um, going after starting pitching, maybe Trevor Bauer signs a one-year deal and, and uh, Ricketts, and the Cubs jump in and sign Trevor Bauer to a long, long-term deal. I mean, this is all reckless speculation, but that's, that's what this, this segment's all about. This podcast is all about. So potentially, yes, they could be contenders in, in 2022, not in 2021. I think realistically, I think it's going to be three years before they're, they're back to back to the old Cubs ways where money is pouring in through all the various means around the ballpark in the ballpark on the marquee network. Um, I think, I think you're going to see 2024, 25, where we're going to see the, the Cubs really back in the, in the spotlight, um, which happens to coincide with when the Tigers are also projecting themselves to be out from underneath the massive contract of Miguel Cabrera have multiple prospects hitting, hitting the majors. Um, 
<laughs> it's sad that it's 2021 and I'm looking forward to 2025 or 2024. Um, but I think those are going to be contention years for both of my teams, the Detroit Tigers and the Chicago Cubs. So did I answer your ask holish question? Do you we... definitely did in the way that I structure the generality of the question, you have answered it appropriately. Nice. So nice. I did not, I did not, uh, I did not add any caveats like, Based on the current trend, when do you expect the Cubs <laughs> to contend again? But you did answer that. You did. You did answer that portion. I did my best to sidestep it, but I, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to circumvent the idea of the segment to to begin with. To be assholes, make us make difficult choices. So that was it. That was my honest thoughts about that. Um, All right. I think, I think that leads us to our final segment, our favorite segment. Uh, this one happens to be a disgusting segment this time our asshole of the week what is your problem you insensitive asshole pardon my french but you're an asshole who the fuck is this asshole am i wrong you're not wrong walter you're just an asshole okay then (laughs) this one's this one's a, a humdinger I don't know how you how you how you say it other than saying it. Uh, Jared Porter, uh, former Cubs executive, and uh, now former GM of the New York Mets, was fired from his job after holding it for I believe 38 days in total for sending dick pics. Uh, that that that's Ooh. literally. It's it's an unbelievable, unbelievable thing to have to say that a general manager of a major league baseball team lost his job because he sent a dick pic. Uh, that he was stupid enough, disgusting enough, uh, that big of an asshole that he would he would literally throw. He had to know at the moment he did it, and we'll get into the details of how this happened and why it happened and what an asshole he is for doing it. Uh, he literally had to know he's not a stupid man. He had to know he was throwing away his career. The moment he sent a dick pic to a female reporter that he was trying to hit on through a, through text messaging over the series of months where he sent 60 unresponded to text messages that culminated in him sending a picture of his quote unquote, naked, erect penis. Well, that's, I mean, and that's usually when you've not, someone's not responded 60 times to you. <laughs> usually the erect penis is what gets the response. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that, how that you, gets you the date. You the that, corner. Gets you the date. that really gets yeah. you the date. Yeah. But that, that gets to the thought process. I've never understood dick pics. I think this first came into the sports lexicon, the sports mind when Brett Favre sent a dick pic. Favre, yes to whoever a jen sturger or something and that's kind of that kind of sucks why i would even know her name because she had to be subject to a a photograph of brett Favre's member um but the fact that this is still happening that the fact that successful intelligent men are this fucking stupid that they would have to know they are throwing their careers away uh jared porter was the up and coming uh, 
executive with the Cubs in 2016 when he sent this dick pic. Um, he had met this female, a foreign female reporter who apparently had, you know, English as her second language and was not necessarily comfortable texting or speaking uh, in English. Um, somehow Jared Porter met her and got her phone number and started texting her and clearly was trying to to fuck her in some way eventually. Um, and I don't know what, what actual conversations they had, but you know, some ESPN was the one that broke the story. Mina Kimes and uh, Jeff Passan combined for their work on this and exposed him literally uh, with, I mean, they got, they got everything. Was the, this reporter sent all the, all the text, the full chain, um, all the pictures he sent, some of the pictures he sent, which I don't understand why why dudes think this would be appealing to women at all but like he's just in his hotel room laying on his bed and he would send a the um the picture of his dockers tenting uh where he's got a hard on in his pants and he thought he would send a picture of that to her you're missing out i'm in a great hotel room and i've got a hard on with my dockers on uh, he sent a few of those no response uh, a lot of his texts were the famous just question mark which is one of the more annoying texts you could ever receive. Um, eventually culminating in how, how the ESPN report had to characterize as a naked erect penis to differentiate it from his erect penis within his Dockers khakis. Um, I don't get it. I didn't, Why know that, I didn't know that was a thing till I read that article. The, I mean, obviously I've heard about the, the dick pic, but I didn't know the erect penis in the Docker was, was a move. Yeah. Those, yeah, that's a move. Well, yeah. it, that's actually what I was getting to. Like, how did we get to that being a move? How do, we, how do we get to sending a picture of your naked erect penis as being a move? How did dick pics become something that is actually happens? I mean, literally, it's it just points out like how sad and depressed and pathetic someone would have to be to send a dick pic out to anyone that was unsolicited. I mean, I guess if somebody asked me if asked me for a dick pic, if I was into the girl, yeah, I might consider it. But other than that, unsolicited dick pics, how did this start? Why would guys think this was a good idea to, at all? But to, to with the end game being to entice a woman, which is just, seems like a bad plan. And it seems like a ridiculously stupid plan for a, a an executive that obviously had a future uh to do this back in 2016 and to rise through the ranks and to become general manager of of the Mets only to lose his career over something as disgusting potentially criminal uh and ultimately just stupid i mean i think uh, it, i think it should be criminal it's essentially exposing yourself to a person. Well, I thought about that and I need to do a little more research on that. Why isn't, why, why isn't he facing charges? Like if he did the same thing on us on the street, exactly. It would, it would be considered criminal. Absolutely. I guess, I guess maybe is that cause it's in public, but I mean, you're, I don't know. I, I mean, it, I think, I think maybe that, that, that is something that should be considered though, making this a, a criminal act. I mean, like, no one, no one wants that. I don't even understand why. To go going back only to after sixty unresponded to text yeah, messages, but like that, even that might be a clue that she doesn't really want to see your naked, naked or erect. Yeah, you know? I mean, 
come on come on guys i mean maybe maybe he was sure that was going to be the game changer well that's what i mean that's what i was saying before like you know after after you haven't been responded 60 times that's your go-to to 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 break through i mean geez i mean like where and then and in the 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 arrogance of people like this right that they're <laughs> that they're really good point that that they're in a position of power and then that's and then mm. and 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 they they that's that's the type of individual this guy is this is a guy who's clearly thinks i'm the you know i'm in the cubs organization in what was he back then with the cubs uh director of college scouting or maybe it was pro yeah yeah, so so you know he had, a, he had a good job, but like I'm in this position of power within the MLB. You know, you should date me. Maybe I'll give you insider information. He's gonna abuse. He's gonna use his role to force a relationship upon a person. Yeah. I mean, this is this is in itself a very criminal type of act against a female. Well, you and, said you said it. The word arrogance, and I and I missed that. And I should uh, that 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 explains. That explains the actions much more than stupidity. It's literally the the entitlement, the the arrogance that I'm I am above the law almost. Yeah, exactly. I can I I am such I am so fucking awesome that I can send a picture of my dick to whoever I want and they can't do anything, and, or it would only be advantageous to me. I can't I can't get. I can't yeah, I'm not going to get in trouble for this. Yeah, I won't I, get in trouble. I, I'm a high-ranking person in the Cubs organization, and and then now, you know, you know, now I'm a GM. You know, I'm 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 above. I'm I'm I'm. You know, she would be lucky to have me. You know, whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's archaic. It should never have been that way. But this is like this is like you guys. It's not the 19 freaking 20s anymore. You know, it's not like you you, you don't. It, it, you need to be respectful to people. You need whether it's a man or a woman, like I'm just be to, respectful. I mean, I'm this trying is to think just, of what the process would have involved in 1920, trying to send a dick pic. Like you'd have to have to hire like Matthew Brady from Civil War camera fame, front photography fame. Like you'd have to yeah. stand still for ten minutes so that the the dick doesn't get blurred. <laughs> and then yeah, you know, I mean, have to put I mean, a put in the mail, yeah. possibly the Pony Express to send across the country. But like, like this, this just needs to like, I, I, it's, it's sad. It's really sad that these stories are still happening. Well, like, I think, I, think the best... I don't think they're, I don't think they're ever going to go away personally, but. Well, it, it could go away. And the point you brought up is if they, if this becomes criminal and I, I, again, I need to do more research. Maybe we need to call in a lawyer to find out what the laws are. <laughs> Let's get a lawyer on here. It seems like that should be equivalent to public exposure, like yeah, you know, exposing yourself in public. If you send it via via the internet or however, that that is exposing yourself. <laughs> Obviously, it was not solicited or not wanted, and now it cost the fucker's job. So that I mean, that's some justice, but maybe not enough yeah. justice. And the key to the key is again yeah. what you said. The key to this whole situation is that should never fucking happen again and it, we know it is and we know it is happening and you know it's going to continue to happen but maybe maybe you know a high profile asshole losing his job might might stem the tide and turn, change things but this is an easy one uh very very simple to call jared porter our asshole of the week um other than that what a way to end the show um, uh you know, I have a question for you okay. that I wanted to fit in before the break, but didn't get it in. 
shit Pete forgot. Uh, well, it's not really shit Pete forgot. It's been shit shit Pete table this time. Um, <laughs> uh, the term prospect, and I'm going to ask you this question because I have not been able to really find a definition. According to the MLB uh, and how they rank prospects, what what makes you a prospect? And the reason I ask that is the White Sox, you know, have four prospects on the top 100 list. But three of the four have all played Major League Baseball. Mm, yeah, and and several of the prospects I mentioned in the Tigers who are in the top have five in the top thirty-five in Major League Baseball. They have played in the majors. I think if they're still eligible to be Rookie of the Year, I think that's how they'll consider it. Because all like the Tigers because it has to be one hundred and sixty-two games, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I forget what the what the rules are about still being considered a rookie. Um, but I think that that's literally if you're not if you're still considered a rookie or haven't completed your rookie season, you are still considered a prospect. Okay, I'm, I'm just asking because Madrigal's the Sox number one prospect, and, <laughs> yeah. and he looked quite pretty good as a major leaguer last year. So I don't, I don't, I didn't. Yeah, know. I think literally, because he, he could still win the rookie of the year this year, and I think that's that's just it would it would make logical sense to me at least if that if that's everyone below that line is still considered a prospect yeah because it was only a 60 game season all right cool that's what i just wasn't sure i couldn't really find it i tried well the 60 game season might also exacerbate that too because they probably had to make special rules for all that you know based on you know a percentage of playing time for the the schedule that was actually played or i don't know it could be more yeah now i mean does that mean that lewis robert could be so eligible probably. for a rookie be, yeah. of the year. I mean, I don't even know. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. I just didn't know if you knew that because it, it's what it was really like. I'm looking at yes. this list and I'm like, well, it seems like all our top prospects are already in the baseball. So that's weird. So yeah. all right. Well, if that is it, unless you have anything else you'd like to. Nope. That's it. Me? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. We'll conclude the episode <laughs> here. Um, yeah, I'm pretty happy about this one. We debate, debuted two new segments. I think those can continue into the future. So be on the lookout for that. I think we're going to have a lot more news coming forth on the shit show 2.0. We're going to have some much, much ballyhooed Trevor Bauer news that we love to talk about. And I think there's going to be a lot more consternation on the North side and more optimism on the South side. So we will see going forward. So we will catch you guys soon. You can catch all of our shit on social media at major league a-holes you can find us at majorleagueaholes.com on the web and you can find our podcast anywhere you'd like to find a podcast so do it rate subscribe review do it we need you we so do. with that i'm gonna say this podcast is over peace peace Fucking Christ, it's about time. S-S-H-O-L-E, everybody, hey. S-S-H-O-L-E. I'm an asshole.